it is, uh, it's wonderful to be here. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity. And thank you so much for allowing me. And uh, just, just to clear the air very quickly, I have no agenda to be here. I, uh, I've already been asked if, I, if, it was, if I'm uh, hoping to pastor this church. Uh, I'm not here for that. You don't want me. And, uh, and you'll know it in just a few minutes. <laughs> but, uh, no, I am not here with, uh, with any kind of agenda. And uh, I don't want any of you to come to my church. Uh, you are not welcome. <laughs> and so uh, I, don't, uh, I don't believe in fishing in other ponds of other churches. Uh, we get fished in a lot. And, uh, and uh, most, most people in town ha- know somebody who used to go to Sheffield Family Life Center. And, uh, and I know a whole bunch of people, and they, uh, a lot of them don't talk to me anymore. But that's okay. That's okay, because uh, things change. Seasons change. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. But I am here uh, just because I felt like, uh, like God uh, had a word of edification for you, and I don't push myself on anybody. It's not my way. I was meeting with uh, your pastor, who I will talk about just briefly here in a minute, and, and God said, I want to speak something to this church through you. If he will allow it, he graciously has. And so there are no strings attached. And, uh, and I have no other agenda other than to deliver uh, the word that God has given me to deliver to you today. Which is always, when God gives you an anointed word, it's always heavy. It's heavy. And, uh, and, and you, you deliver that. And then there's, then there's freedom. And so I want that freedom. <laughs> so I want to deliver that word to you. Today, I have with me my beautiful wife, Annette, who never ages. Uh, people see us who knew us 20, 30 years ago, and they say, wow, you look older, and you look exactly the same. And so uh, she's got an incredible gene in her family that, uh, that, that does not allow aging. So hopefully my children will get that as well. We'll know they didn't get it from our side. And uh, just to, uh, to honor the house and honor your pastor, I, uh, you know, I honor uh, the house today. I'm very familiar with your church. Uh, have uh, have been uh, around the the uh, the vision and passion and far-reaching ministry of your church since I was a child. I hate to say this, but Bill Newby has kind of been a, a legend to me since my childhood. So that makes you pretty old. Uh, But, but I don't want to remind you of that, but, uh, but that's, that's, that's the truth. And uh, this church has done incredible things in the last 40 years. But uh, I believe today the crux of my message to you is the best is yet to come. The greatest days are still ahead. And see, and if, you, if you're actually a believer in Jesus Christ, that's a great place to say Amen. And if you're a believer in the vision that God gives churches. So we're going to practice that. Say, say amen. Amen. Or whatever you want to say that, that sounds like that. But it's, uh, there's a great future ahead. And I'm here to, to give you that. I honor your pastor. Uh, he, when I moved back to Kansas City, I tried to get away from Kansas City and the call. To back to Kansas City because the last thing on earth I wanted to do was follow my dad at Sheffield. The last thing I ever wanted to do was follow him at Sheffield. And so God called me back to Kansas City, and I, I tried to flee, and he kept reining me in. God has a way of reining you in when you try to run. Has anybody found that out? Yeah, it, it happens. And so I came back to Kansas City almost 13 years ago, and your pastor embraced me, uh, told people I was better than I was, and he's still doing that. Thank you. And uh, told people I was better than I actually was and am and encouraged me. And he was a cheerleader from day one. Uh, when I came into this section, uh, it's, you know, it, there was just my name carried a stigma with it. So I had instant enemies and instant competition. And uh, he became a, an advocate and a cheerleader and a friend. And part of the reason that I was moved into the leadership in this Kansas City section was because of your pastor, Bill Newby and his encouragement of me and his and his uh, promoting me and advocating me in front of everybody. So I thank you, sir. I honor you and Eunice. Great people, awesome people. One of the you may not realize that your pastor and his wife are 
some of these spiritual fathers of this church and mothers, as it would be, but the spiritual father, one of the spiritual fathers of this of this city. Uh, I said church the first time, but I meant city. God has God has given him a legacy and them a legacy in this city, and people everywhere know Bill Newby. They know Central of Raytown. They know Crown Point. And so uh, one of the spiritual fathers of our city, I thank you for your leadership. I thank you for your love, and I thank you for your service to the kingdom of God. Let's give them a hand. (laughs) Truly one of my heroes in the last 10 years, truly. So thank you. And our good friends, Dennis and Nicole Luce, it's great to be back with them. You stole them from us four years ago, and I'm here to get them back. <laughs> and you know what? The deal was, there was, we made some kind of deal. We traded you Dennis, and we were supposed to get some players to name, be named later. Nobody we got was of any value. <laughs> I think you sent us some people who needed to be cleared out of the locker room. So we got the short end of that stick. But great friends of ours did a great job at Sheffield. Uh, we love the Looses. And it's great to be with them. Uh, I see. I see Jeff Wilkie sitting out here. My last year as a camper, Jeff. You, you may not remember this. I think you were 17 or 18. I was probably 13 or 14, 15. I don't know, right around there, because you guys were the old guys. We were the younger guys. We were in the same same group. Our last year of camp in Southern Missouri District, and we won. I have to say this because we won everything. Every competition there was to win that week, we won it all. People hated us. And uh, do you remember that, Jeff? Okay. I've I've known the Wilkies for a long time and his wife, Sheila. It's great to see them. Nathan and Paula, longstanding friends. And I will end there because I will undoubtedly miss somebody. But it's great to see all of you and great to be here. Now I will uh, actually say what I came here to say since all that's out of the way. Honor your board. I've met your board members. Love your board members. Honor them. Uh, Pray for your board as you're going through this transition. Hold them up. It is no small task to hear and chart the direction of the house of God. That is true. Thank you. One person in agreement. It is no small task. So hold your board up in prayer. Hold these men of God up in prayer because they are going to listen to hear the voice of God and they're going to act accordingly. And I believe in your board. I believe in your leadership. And God is going to do great things partly because of that. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Very familiar passage. Uh, one of the great stories of all, all time. Uh, biblical story that, that most of us are familiar with. The gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. The Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse. The people can charge straight into the town, and you can take the city that I've given you. Now, Jericho was a walled city. We know it's a walled city, but it was really a double-walled city. I believe we might have a picture of that. There's a picture of what Jericho probably looked like. It's a double-walled city with some area in between where they would, uh, this was an area where, where benevolence took place. It was also an area, obviously, for military use to guard the city. You, they would put their, their military in between the two walls. Therefore, if you got through the first wall, you still had to fight a battle to ever get to the second wall. So the city was doubly fortified. Now, the city of Jericho, though it was a stronghold, it was a city, it was a violent war-based city, it was probably less than 10 miles around in diameter, but there were thousands of people in that area. So it looked much like this, to the best of historians' recollection. So the Israelites now had this new mission, the new Israelites. Most of the Israelites that left Egypt had died. 
Joshua was now leading, and it was time to move across the Jordan River, which they had done, into the promised land, which they were now doing. And there's a new directive. There's a new directive to take this city of Jericho. There's a new method. And it's not a plan that anyone would have devised. No one would say, okay, the way we're going to take this city, the best way I can think of, we're going to walk around the city one time a day for six days, then on the seventh day, we're going to walk around seven times, and uh, we're going to take this city that way. We will shout and blow the trumpets, blow the ram's horns, the walls will fall down, and we will take what God has already given to us. Nobody would have been in favor of that. No one. Joshua wouldn't have been in favor of that. The people who had to march would not have been in favor of that. No one would have been in favor of that because it was a ridiculous directive. But what God had and what God is always looking for and God is looking for today, God is looking for someone, me, you, your pastors, your board members, your leaders, God is looking for someone who will do exactly what he says even if it doesn't make sense. Thank you. That was a great spot, and you hit it. God is looking for that. Joshua was that man. See, because Joshua had been part of the Exodus, which took, which took place about 1446 B.C. Now, about two years later, approximately 1444 B.C., Joshua was part of a group of 12 spies that went into Canaan and looked over the land to see what the strategy should be. And the 12 spies came back to Moses and and 10 of them said, there are giants in the land, we can't take the land. There will always be giants in the land. Always be a giant in the land. Anytime God calls you to do something new, anytime God calls you to hear his voice, anytime God calls you to do anything of spiritual purpose, there will be a giant in the land. And you will have to overcome that. That's true in your household. It's true in your business. It's true in your spiritual life. It's true in your personal life. It's true in your domestic situation. It's true in the house of God. It's true in the city. It's true in the nation. It's true in the world. Anytime there's a mission that we are supposed to carry out, there will be giants in the land. So you can rest assured, Crown Point, there will be giants that will raise themselves up in front of you over the next few months. And God is looking for men and women who will say, okay, God, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me right now, but I'm going to hear your voice. And I'm going to do what you're saying. And I don't know how this is possibly going to turn out the right way because as I look at it in my little finite mind, I can't picture this equation. You can put it on a whiteboard or a chalkboard and it makes no sense, but I'm going to do exactly what you're telling me to do. How many of you are willing to be that person for God in his house and in his kingdom? I'm willing. I have nothing to offer God except my willingness. To serve and to be obedient, that's the only thing I have to offer him. And usually, the other stuff, the pride, the arrogance, has to get beat out of us. Anybody been through a war? Anybody had God beat all the bad stuff out of you? It's not fun, is it? It's not fun, but that's what happens. Because God is looking for a person who will say, okay, God, I hear you. And I will do that. I'm not sure why you told me to go up to the stairs at an angle, but that's what I did. I mean, he didn't tell me that right there. I made that part up. But that's what I'm doing. Whatever you say, that's what I'll do. So in 1406 B.C., 38 years after Joshua and Caleb said, God's already given us the land. We can take that land. When the other ten spies said there are giants, Joshua and Caleb said that land has already been given to us. 38 years later, now Joshua is in charge, and once again, God is saying what? The same thing. You will go in. If you follow my direction as Moses did not. If you follow my direction, he didn't say, I might. He said, I have given you the city. You realize God has already fulfilled everything he's ever promised you. 
God sees the beginning from the end. We only see where we are. Thank God the enemy of our soul is not able to see all of time and eternity. But God is. So God sees where we will end up. He sees how things will turn out. So he leads us accordingly. So now Joshua is saying, you have already done that. You've already given us the city. So I, Joshua, am going to hear your voice and do what you've commanded me to do. Crown Point, you stand on the cusp of a new direction for this church. I support your pastor. I love your pastor. I give him honor every time I can. I applaud him. I hug him. I laud him and his family. But in a few months, it's going to be a new season for Crown Point. God is going to take you in a new direction. And you have to be prepared for that because a new season takes new preparation. You, don't, you won't go into summer wearing the same clothes you wear in winter. Chances are you didn't dress the same this morning as you did three days ago. Three days ago, I thought Jesus had given us my greatest desire. It is 75 degrees. It's January And God is real, and he's on the throne. And I praised him everywhere I went. Now, when they started saying, as all pastors hate, well, Saturday night and Sunday morning, it's going to snow. So don't get out if you don't have to. I'm thinking, please don't tell my people that. Because they're having church at Sheffield this morning. And we need people to give so we can make our building payment. We need people to show up. So when they forecasted snow, said, huh, okay, God, you're partially good part of the time. God is good partially part of the time. There are parenthetical statements there that have to be included. But new seasons require new things. I was in the the mall the other day. Men, I'm sorry to sell you out like this, to sell myself out, but I'm a male mostly, and I like to shop. I'm sorry. Any other men like to shop? Your males? You're not afraid to admit it. You like to shop. I like to shop. If I have money that I can spend, I like to shop. I want to shop. I can shop for hours. I can, and I'm not ashamed of it. I will admit it publicly. And so I was shopping the other day, and they already have spring clothes out. They already have summer clothes out. And I'm looking at those going, no. It's not time yet. It is not time yet. Don't put that out yet. It's kind of like when they start putting Christmas stuff out in September. You go on Hobby Lobby and you think you've walked into the North Pole. What? It is September. At least let us get, let us get through October. The point is, realtors, the business world, understand that season requires change. And they capitalize on that. And in the season of God, in spiritual seasons, it's the same thing. It requires change. So you're going to have to fortify your prayer. You're going to have to fortify your stance. You're going to have to fortify your willingness to hear and do what God says. And you're going to have to, most of all, fortify your faith. Everything we do is a faith walk. Everything. Everything we do is a faith walk. And if God is not speaking things to you that you can't possibly do without his intervention, then it's not faith. And we need to be walking by faith. And I challenge you to walk by faith in the future even more than you have in the past. Allow God to show up. Because that's what this is about. Joshua knew That if God said, I've given you the city, if he did what he was commanded to do, God would show up. He always will. If we do what he tells us to do, if we do what he leads us to do, if we do what his word says for us to do, we seek him, we know him, we hear him, we obey him, God will show up. It's a guarantee. He's faithful even when we're not. Now, if God had told me, I want you to walk around your part of the city 
once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day. That's the one that's a little overwhelming. I want you to walk around your part of Kansas City, and then I'm going to do some great things for the church that you lead. I would probably, most of us would, we try to barter with God a little bit. Okay, God, is there any way we can have a lesser plan? Is there an alternative plan? Can we condense that? What if I pray and read and fast for a week? What if I fast for six days and walk around one time on the seventh day? How will that work? It won't. Well, what if I get the prayer chain going and I have all these women who actually pray when I ask them to pray for things and they will pray and they will intercede and they will hold this up. What if I get, what if I get 100 people praying for every day you're talking about? So if I can get 600 people to sign their name to a sheet to say they will pray 700 on the seventh day, can we make this a little easier? God will always say, no. I have told you what the plan is. We tend to say, please, God, give me a different plan. Sometimes we get so preoccupied with the plan that we forget what the promise is. I get so hung up, so overwhelmed with the plan because the process is never fun. The process is not fun. Most of us in this room can probably say, I'm glad I am where I am today with God in relationship in my life, the journey. I'm glad I'm where I am today. It wasn't easy getting here. It's never easy. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for you. The process is never easy. All the time. I have people all the time trying to circumvent the process. Most of the drama in my world comes down to people trying to go around the process. I had text messages this morning before I turned my phone off and said, Satan, get behind me and stay there. I had text messages this morning of drama happening at my church while I'm over here because people are trying to circumvent the process. We don't like the process. Because the process is painful. The process requires purging. We don't like it. We don't want it. We don't invite it. We repel it. We try to find an alternate route. Most of us in school, our favorite subjects were recess and lunch. We get so hung up on the process and the plan that we forget the promise. It's easy to get your eyes on the wrong thing. You know, it wasn't the wall. The the walls were irrelevant to God. He was able to knock those down with a shout from people and and the blow of ram's horns. The walls, irrelevant. The people, irrelevant. The city, irrelevant. The giants in Canaan, irrelevant. They didn't matter. Those things didn't matter. It was the obedience, the faith, the willingness, and hearing. That's what mattered. God would not give the promise until the people involved were willing to hear and follow the right process. And it's always that way. What you have ahead of you as a church is a process. God will lead you down the process, and you have men of God and women of God who will be in place to hear God and say, this is what God is speaking to me. This is how we lead, and I urge you to hear that voice and pray about it and confirm that voice, but follow the process that God has for you as a church. Hear his voice and move accordingly, because God has blessing. He has the promise on the other side. As I stand before you in this, I'm not in a prophetic mode, so if this doesn't happen, you are not required to stone me at the city gates. But I know in my heart, I know in my heart that God has incredible greatness, incredible days ahead for your church. I know it. I know it. I know it this morning. You've got a great worship team. You have everything in place. You have everything in place. Now it's just a matter of season. You need the reign of the Holy Spirit to reign again. It's a matter of a new season. 
And I tell you this, and I know this for a fact, if you don't follow God's direction and you don't follow God's process, you have to honor the house. You have to honor the pastor. You have to honor the leaders. You have to honor the board. You most of all have to honor God. As you honor through this process, God's promise will take place. It will because it has to, because God can't change. And when he says something, it's a guarantee. There's great favor in following God's directives, as difficult as it may seem. When God says go, we go. When God says wait, we wait. And that's the hard one. My mom, who passed away last year, used to, every time I would talk to her, I was so frustrated because she was so stinking spiritual, it drove me nuts. She was so right, and I was out here in left field running around looking in the bullpen. And I would call her, or she would call me usually, because I wasn't always a great son and calling every day and all of that. I'm a little too independent, and I have issues. But she would call me, and she would say, First, she would just say, oh, oh, and then I knew it was coming. Those of you who have been around my mom, you know, when she does that, the wind is getting ready to blow one more time. And she would always tell me the same thing. That's not God. That's what you told me last time. Well, he wants me to tell you again. And it was always this. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord and let him renew your strength. And why do you have to say that? I don't want to wait. I get tired of waiting. Do you ever get tired of waiting on God? God, I've been waiting. How long do I have to sit here in Indian style, smoking a peace pipe, waiting for you to show up? Some of you don't actually smoke a peace pipe, but you may sit with your legs crossed. How long do I have to do this? Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Well, what if I've been in meetings where we had to make crucial decisions, and as the leader of that meeting, I had to say, ladies and gentlemen, we can't go any further until God speaks. And we'd have to stop it. And you know, you know, how, many, you know how many people love to meet and never do anything? Oh, man, people love to meet. Well, let's, let's have a meeting. Let's meet over lunch. We can eat a big fat steak and talk for hours over this. Okay, that sounds like a nightmare to me. So let's meet. Well, we met last week. Let's meet again. We had a three-hour meeting last week. We're going to meet for five hours this time. I serve on boards, which I ignorantly accepted positions not the one you were talking about. I'm honored to serve there. I serve on other boards that just consume time. Yeah, thank you. I had to make the balancing statement. I serve on other boards that literally, you, I just sit and, and, and I'm just, I'm looking around while we're meeting for hours and days going, who are you people? And what are you doing in my room? What's going on here? And then we'll meet again. There's an analogy that, 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 is, that I heard that is beautiful. Now what, what if the Kansas City Chiefs, who we're all kind of frustrated with right now, what if the Kansas City Chiefs, they got out there and Alex Smith, come on up here and help me out. Come up here and help me out real quick. I won't embarrass you, I promise. <laughs> Your game? That's, that's a pun, actually, right now. I'm talking about football. Um, so, okay, so we're in the huddle. Alex Smith calls a play. Okay, slot left, 221-8 on four. What does that mean? I don't know. And so, okay, that's where we're going to run. Ready? Oh, wait a minute. Let's huddle some more. Um, which play do you think we should run? Mm, slot left, 22. Okay, I said 22-24. Okay, well, let's meet. Come on up. We need somebody else to meet with us. Come on. Come on. We need, another, we need, another, we need somebody else here. Let's, let's huddle up. Let's huddle up. Um, he thinks we should run 24, slot left 24. I think we should run slot left 224. What do you think? Just so we don't run up the middle. Just so we don't run up the middle? Well, huh? you hate that play? Well, you're the center. We're running right behind you. Shh, we're, we're, this, is all, this is all just a dream. 
okay? Pastor, Pastor, can you, can you come up and join us here? Because we just, we don't have enough opinions yet. What do you think we should run? You've got kind of a loud, baritone voice. You might end up calling the play. You might decide to call it. What, what, what should we run? Oh, I think we should run a pass play. Okay, long, short, cross the middle, out. Cross the middle. You want somebody to get hurt, don't you? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, well, what do you say? Let's call a timeout, and then we'll talk about it some more. We can huddle again. Okay, thank you so much. for You see how ridiculous that is? We spend so much time huddling, we never get around to running the play. It's time to break the huddle. And when God says go, let's go. And he's getting ready to say go, so brace yourselves. Because God is not going to say, okay, uh, here's the time frame. We, we want you to get a new pastor in place, and then maybe we'll start you, you can concentrate on winning the lost and discipling people, maybe in the fall or around Christmas time. Or you, no, God says, go into all the world right now. Go into your neighborhoods right now. Go next door right now. Don't drive by your mission field to get to another mission field. Reach the people in your mission field and the one you pass through to get there right now. God wants this church to win the lost right now. God wants to be the lighthouse, wants this church to be the lighthouse on this hill it sits on right now. Every other pastor in Kansas City, including me, is jealous of your location. God puts you here for a reason, right? It's not a coincidence that you have this incredible piece of property and a beautiful building right where everybody can see it. You're a lighthouse. And God is saying, turn the light up brighter. So that's what's going to happen. So go through the process of calling the play and break the huddle and run the play. It's time. It's time to run the play. And it's going to be time. And you're going to get it done. I have absolute confidence that this church is going to blow up. And God hasn't shown me what that looks like, and I mean in a good way. No terrorists involved, Pastor. Because when God says go, we go. When God says wait, we wait. When God says turn, we turn. And that's a hard one. Turn. I don't want to turn. I like the path I'm on. Turn. There's, that, there's all these little Christian adages. Well, God won't take you somewhere that's not better than you had it before. That is not true. And if God closes the door, he'll always open a window. That is not true either. Sometimes you get stuck in a room with no oxygen, and there is no window. It's like my office. I have a beautiful office, but I can't stand it because there's no window. I just pace around like I do when I'm preaching. God will take you there, but you have to go through the process. When we turn, when we listen, when we move, when we wait, then God will move. We pray, we listen, we obey, we don't always understand. I'm closing here for those of you who have had enough. I feel some of you praying against me. 2015 will be a Jericho moment. And is a Jericho moment for this house. 2015 is a Jericho moment for you people. The enemy is somewhat invisible, but active. There is uncertainty. There's fear. There's new territory ahead. And it requires faith. Don't disobey God. And I want all of you who are adherents and members and people and leaders and followers and servants of this house to please hear this. Don't disobey God in this. Don't undermine in this. God is never a fan of rebellion in his house. Rebellion will destroy the house and have to be cleaned up every time. That's just a fact. Don't undermine. Don't whisper in dark places, in dark rooms. Don't speak ill of your leadership. Don't speak ill of your pastor. Don't speak ill of your other pastors. Don't speak ill of your leaders. Don't speak ill of your board. Be guilty of praying too much and having an attitude that people might look at you and say, don't you even care? Yes, I care, but I'm giving it to God. 
Because I believe God is bigger than any man or any group of men. So give it to God. And if you do and you follow, God will show up. God will give you the plan. As I said earlier, I've, I know your board members, God will give you the plan. It may not be legible immediately. It may not be clear. It may not make sense, but God will give the plan. He always does. If we seek him, he will speak to us every time. Three quick things. Number one, there's a new plan. It could be unpopular to some. It could be difficult for some. But there's a new plan for this house. Walk around the city. See, when, Jer- when, when Joshua was telling his people what we're going to do, they couldn't have been happy about that. Because there's a part I left out, and it's that part that is the hardest part that says we have to walk in complete silence. That's what they had to do. They had to walk around the city 13 times in complete and total silence. That is almost impossible. It even says, don't make a sound. Don't speak. Don't make a sound. That couldn't have sounded inviting to anyone. And as a leader, you'd have to be asking God, are you serious? They can't talk. They can't even make a sound. My people are not capable of that. This is what I've told you to do. It's a new plan. This was not a normal war tactic. We're going to walk around your city, and then we're going to yell as loud as we can and blow the ram's horns, and your city will be defeated. That is not a popular military plan. And we're going to walk in silence. And if we can't talk, that means we can't complain. This is ridiculous. I don't know why we're walking. I See, Josh, I told you this guy didn't know what he was doing. He got us walking around the city. This isn't going to work. Just remember I said that. This isn't going to work. There's no way. There are two sets of walls here. If you get at the base of the wall, you look up about 30 feet, and it's all wall. It's not going to work. Joshua should have never been in charge. I told you that. I voted against him. Should have never been in charge. This guy doesn't have a clue. He's too young. He doesn't care. He only listens to Caleb. It's ridiculous. Or a better idea. Well, why don't we just knock a hole in the wall and go through? That'd be easier. Should I suggest that? No. I don't like this plan. I'm sure Joshua probably, in our terms, just wanted to say, shut up and walk. And I can tell you, God has to tell me that a lot. God, I don't understand what you're doing. This makes no sense to me. I had another plan. I thought you said this. And God says, shut up and walk. Yeah, but I don't want to walk. I'm tired of walking. I don't want to walk anymore. What's God going to say? (laughs) Shut up and walk. He might say, run. Shut up and walk. Yeah, but can can I at least take a break? No, shut up and walk. Shut your mouth and walk. I'm tired. My feet are sore. At least let me get a new pair of shoes. I can go shopping. Shut up and walk. Yeah, but they've got some new some new Jordans dropping next week, and I need them. Shut up and walk. Shut up and walk. God has told me that so many times in life, and I had the audacity to think that he was wrong. Well, I think you missed it this time, God. I'm just saying. I'm just, that's one of our great, I'm just saying. That, that capsulizes anything we can say in life. You know, I really don't like that shirt you have on. I don't like your shoes. I'm just saying. God, I think your plans are, I'm just saying. We know you're just saying. I heard you say it. People tell me that all the time. I'm just saying, well, why don't you learn it in sign language so I don't have to hear your voice? There's a new plan, which will require a new generation. That's where you come in again. 
a new generation of warriors who are willing to serve. See, we've huddled. You've huddled. You will huddle. It will be time to break the huddle. And it will be time to serve like you've not served before. Because I can tell you something about managing the house of God, which we're required to use common sense and physical sense in doing so. We don't just manage God's house. Uh, I can do whatever I want. There's no accountability. There's no nothing. I'm going to go crazy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And this is God's house. He'll take care of us. No, God gives us common sense and accountability for a reason. So in managing the house, it requires that. We've huddled. It's time to run the play. It's time to serve and do things we've not served, do things we've not done, do things that God has not required for us to do. We need warriors. We need to prepare. And until the house is prepared, and this is where that that management and the understanding and the common sense mixed with hearing the voice of God, before God is going to rain blessing on this house, you have to have certain things in place. God will not send you a flood of new people if you're not ready to handle them. God will not send you a, a, a flood of new people if there's dissension in the house and they will be corrupted by coming into your house. And I'm going to say that again because it's ugly. If there's corruption in the house, and no house is pure, I understand I have people right now, whatever time it is right now, probably saying bad things in my congregation during service. So I understand it's everywhere. But God will not send new sheep into the fold with a bunch of other sheep that are going to tear them up and corrupt them when they come in. So I encourage you, embrace the new plan. Embrace the new season. Be part of the new generation that will say, I will put everything behind me, behind me. You know, yesterday is not going to change tomorrow at this point. Other than our understanding of it and our memories and what we learned. We can't go back and change things. We can't go back and right wrongs. We can apologize, and I always encourage that. We can humble ourselves, and I always encourage that. We can serve everybody around us, and I encourage that. But we need to brace, and we need to make tomorrow a better day. And if there is antagonism, frustration, places for the enemy to to grab in your life that will affect the future of this house and the future leadership of this house, ask God to remove that from your heart. Be a new generation. Honor your past. Honor your present. Honor your present, but support your future. A church in transition needs people who will walk, people who will stay, and people who will serve. People who will walk will shut up and walk because God has said so. People who will stay and not run out the door. Nobody in this room, including me, knows what May looks like, June looks like, July looks like for Crown Point Church. Nobody knows yet. Don't run. Don't leave your house. God has you here for a reason. Don't turn your back on this house. You say, well, what if I don't agree with the decision that's made? See if you can be part of that new generation. Stick in there and see if you can be part of the new generation. See if you can be part of that serving warrior-based core that will take you to the next level because it's going to take everybody. You know, you can't do it with all young people. You can't do it with all older people. You can't do it with all middle-aged people. You can't do it with all people who have means. You can't do it with all people who don't have any means. It takes everybody to make the house of God work. Everybody's needed. Everybody is valuable. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever you do, it takes you. It takes you saying, I will be part of the serving core. I will be a warrior for God in this house. Obviously, God has called you here or you wouldn't be here today. So stay in this house and don't run. Even if you get frustrated, stay in this house and don't run. Because if you run, that run will stay with you. And the next place you go, you'll want to run again. 
And I know that's, I'm not getting any amens now, and I didn't expect to. But this is one of the things God wanted me to tell you. Keep walking and try to keep your mouth shut. Talk to God. Stay. Don't leave. Don't come to my church. Don't go to Evangel. Don't go to Blue Springs. Don't go to Oak Grove. Stay. Stay right here. Stay right here. And I know all those pastors, and they're all great friends of mine. You don't want to be at their church. You're called here. And they don't really want you. That might be a stretch. They might want you. But don't go. Stay and serve God in this house. Serve in this community. My last point, a new plan, a new generation, a new land. There's a destiny of greatness on this church. Always has been. Always has been. There always has been. How many of you have been here longer than 20 years? You know the destiny that this church is called to. You know why you're in this present location. All the prayer, all the toil, all the giving, everything it took to be here. God has placed you here. There is greatness for Crown Point where you are, who you are, moving forward. There's a new land ahead for you. There's a new plan you must follow. There's a new generation that will serve with you. And there's a new land that you will inhabit. And it's a land of greatness for this church. I feel it today. I felt it when, I, when, I, when I've met other people in, your, in the church. I feel it when I talk to your pastor. I feel it when I talk to Dennis. I feel it when I talk to everybody that's part of this. God has greatness for this house. And I know it. Once a day for six days. And one of, one of, ver, one of the versions of our, of our Old Testament says this. God told them to walk and Joshua told the people. And it says, so they did for six days. So they did for six days. They walked once a day for six days and nothing happened. We hate to see nothing happen. It's kind of like having a party and nobody shows up. And your mom or your cousin, your sister, your daughter, somebody looks at you and says, well, we've got a lot of food to eat. And you just feel humiliated and you're frustrated and you're embarrassed. And you wonder why nothing's happening. We don't like when we do things and nothing happens. Well, God, you said do this. And I thought, you know, I thought this, all this was going to happen. You said if we built a coffee shop, they would come. It's a field of creams. Thank you. And we built it, and it's really cool. I like hanging out there. But, you know, I guess that's not going to bring them in. You said if we had all that glass on that corner, and it looked really good from 291, they would come. We have the glass. We've had some... HVAC units stolen, some copper and stuff. Nobody, it's not. We, we, get, we get frustrated when we do things, and it's the right thing, and nothing happens. Go back to the seasons. Go back to the obedience. Once a day for six days. We'll say that it was eight miles around, eight miles around the city. Uh, that's a fairly good clip. You're walking a 12-minute mile for 8 or 10 hours. Um, so they walked around once a day for six days, and nothing happened. And you know when they were climbing in their tents or whatever at night, they were talking to each other. This is ridiculous. I don't know why we're doing this. Nothing's happened. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. I think I'm just going to leave camp. I'm going back to Egypt. Like they always want to do, can we please go back to slavery and getting beaten every day? Please allow us to be starved, get beaten, and be in bondage. It's so much better than walking around the city once a day and nothing happening. Walked around the city once a day for six days and nothing happened. The seventh day, one time around, nothing happened. 
Two times around, nothing happened. Three times around, nothing happened. Four times around, nothing happened. Five times around, nothing happened. Six times around, nothing happened. And people had to have been out of their minds by now. We have been walking all day long, all week long. Nothing happened. And then they walk around that seven times. They walk around that seventh time, and we love the seventh time. We want the seventh time. They walked around that seventh time. They raised their voices. They blew the trumpets. The city walls fell down, and historically, it's been proven that the walls fell in, so they just walked over the rocks. They walked over the bricks. They walked over the stone, went into the city, and took the city that God already gave them. It all happened on the seventh day, the seventh time. We love that seventh time. Don't you love when God gives you that victory you've been looking at, hearing about, praying for, believing for, for years? We love it. What made it happen? It happened in the six days. It happened because we were obedient in the six days. The wall fell, the walls fell the seventh day because they chose to be obedient in the first six. Without the six-day obedience, guess what? The seventh day doesn't happen. We are not allowed to clept out of God's tests. We can't. We try, and we can't. The seventh day happens because the first six happened. It's all in the six days. They could have counted seven days and walked around seven times on the seventh day, and I'm 100% convinced the walls wouldn't have fell, fallen because they didn't walk around the first six. You are in the six days. You're in the six days. You're in the six days. The six days feel unproductive, but they are so productive. Because the six days create the opportunity for the miracle of God, the hand of God, the outpouring of God on the seventh day. If we want to get to the seventh day, we have to walk through the first six. So hang on, keep walking, stick around, serve like you've never served before, commit your heart to God, commit your heart to this house, commit your heart to this community, keep walking, shut up, and the seventh day will happen. Why? Because God will make it happen. If you're faithful in the six days, the seventh day will produce victory. Guaranteed. God, I pray by the power of your spirit that you will help us to be hearers of your word today.